LDB, 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 LDB. Good evening, LDB. It is time for the LDB podcast once again. Uh, we've taken a hiatus. I apologize for that. This is Chris Schutzer, your podcast uh, co-host, uh, along with Mr. Matthew Starr. Matt, how you doing? Co-host and also co-commissioner, all that jazz. I'm doing great. You know, it's good to be back after a little break here. You know, nice and fresh, rested. Yep. We also have uh, Michael Becker here. Uh, Becker, how you feeling? Feeling pretty good. Yeah, I, I take some responsibility as well for uh, the hiatus. It's been a, I'd say, busy period at work. I've managed to escape federal indictment thus far, so that's encouraging. Um, but I'm ready to talk some ball. Fair enough. Uh, we don't have any stored documents at Mar-a-Lago that I, I need got to nothing. I, I'm not talking about anything. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, a special uh, apology here to to, to Paul. Uh, we lined Paul up to join the cast. I think twice. Uh, and then two times at the last second, it didn't work out. Uh, also, Dubner was supposed to come on at one point, and and so it's been it's been a rough uh, go of trying to get this podcast going. And I apologize for that, but here we are, um, and we are now half a week from the playoffs. A lot has happened. Um, I can see no better way to jump back in than to talk about the McQueenies, right? Let's, that's what we want to do. Yeah, <laughs> that's what everyone wants to hear about. <laughs> We might actually do a little of that, but let's start with you, Matt. Um, you want to tell us a little bit about uh, who who's in, who's out, uh, and and what is at stake here in this final week? Absolutely. So, I mean, I, I sent out an email earlier this week, kind of outlining the scenarios. But I, th I mean, if you're asking me, it's tough to really matchups as they stand right now. Um, not a lot to really be able to take from them you know i think there's a, some pretty odds on favorites in in both uh union union and in federal so union's a little bit more straightforward um in that the the real battle left is really i mean it, 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 barring something kind of unexpected i'm going to end up with a double buy dubner is going to end up with a single buy and becker and Hughes are going to get the wild card. That seems to be by far the most likely scenario. It's not the only scenario that's going to unfold that could unfold. Ian is not totally out of it, but Ian is a real long shot and needs a lot to happen. Um, similarly, it's possible Dubner could kept, catch me for the double buy. Pretty unlikely. You know, our matchups as as it stands right now it doesn't look like that's likely to happen. So the union playoffs are probably pretty set um, with those four teams in those four positions. And so it's a little bit more boring. So we can start there. Um, Becker, we were, we were talking before. I think the big story there is that Ian is going to likely going to miss the playoffs. And that just sucks for him because he had a great team and probably doesn't deserve to miss, to miss the playoffs. I agree. He is one of the best teams out there. Um, and so I, I don't want to count this out. I, I don't know exactly how many wins the tones need to make the playoffs. It, it may be as few as one. But I, Ian, I, I believe it is one. 
Okay. So there, what you're saying is there's a chance. Uh, Ian, Ian could literally win the whole thing. Uh, that's how good his team is right now. And it, it, I think this reflects that like the, the season is long. And yes, you want to be surging at the end at the right time. Um, but tough starts can, can hurt you and saddle you. And it's unfortunate that that may come to Ian missing the playoffs and the box missing the playoffs because they don't deserve it. I think everybody recognizes that the tones, you know, if you just take them at face value are probably not a playoff team. Uh, but I, the tones got off to a really, really, really hot start and have certainly benefited from that and have held on. But I don't, I don't, think for a second that the tones at this moment in time have a better team than either the box or the cornballers. It's just them's the breaks, I, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, if, if we're being honest, there, there was an opportunity there to kind of knock your team out, not really through any fault of your own, but your team just got so decimated by injuries there. And you managed, you know, to your credit, managed to navigate that, about as well as you possibly could have and 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 not and not allow that to just destroy your team i was trying i was trying hard i think everybody uh who gets the daily emails about roster moves saw the churn so there were a lot of bit players playing some key roles and some worked out and some didn't but um no it it felt like kind of you know you're careening around the the turn and just trying to hold on it's kind of how it's been the last like four or five weeks but um so we'll see. Like I, I very well could lose zero twelve. It could happen for sure. Um, I think. We'll, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, you know, you, go, you, go ahead, Chris. Well, no, I, I wanted to change the to the to look at another thing about the playoffs here. So I'm going to let you go first. Yeah, I mean, I, I was just going to say I'm, I'm looking at your record, and like, I mean, it, it it is obviously helpful that you got off to the start that you did. But you know, over the last eight weeks you've played 500 ball and that's all you needed to do given that start that you had and to have done that given all that you had to deal with is impressive um because you you know you lost trout you lost harper you lost jess chisholm you lost freddie peralta and now they're all starting to come back and now you know if if you can uh now that you're going to get into the playoffs you're no longer going to be this kind of pushover team that maybe we look, thought you might might have been a month or two ago look I know all those you're, guys who got you got you after that start are gonna be back i know you're using the word you it's not it's not me it's the boys it's it's the boys and the boys are playing hard they're just responding to difficult circumstances so i uh, appreciate the kind words and i'm thankful that they're they're running this through the finish line so I don't like having to see one of these teams be on the outside looking in, but I am happy for Ryan that he's put himself in position here. Cause I think given the moves that he made um, and given honestly, the direction of his team the last few years, it's nice to see him in there and I'm rooting for him. So um, I, you know, with respect to the race between you and Dubner star, I, I actually think it's probably time better spent looking a little bit on the other side of the league um, both at some of the strategies that have played out here, uh, and I'm prepared to talk about a couple of them, uh, but also just like what's happening here in the last week because it's very exciting. Um, if I, if it's all right with you, I'm going to start with what's happening uh, in iron and oil. 
Oh yeah, um, I, I think I just, just real quick. I think federal. There's a lot more interesting stuff happening in federal. It's far less set and, and far more implications of, on on uh, week twenty matchups here. Yeah. So you know, for better or for worse, I feel that in union folks have more aggressive strategies. Um, at least a lot of the teams do. I don't want to say that that's like a universal. Obviously, what Tim's did has been very aggressive for a year one, but you know we've had how many casts where we've been like, is Mark going to buy? Is Jorvi going to buy? Like, you know, we're looking at some of the contenders here. Anton, Anton pushed in pretty hard and, and, and really came up very unlucky here. Um, he's not dead, but I think he's dead. Um, it's, it's similar to like the, the, the Ian thing uh, where he just needs so many things to break exactly right. And I, I'm not even sure. And, and it's even really more of a, he, he, and even more of a long shot. He needs like more things to break exactly right for him than he even would. Yeah. And that one, like, I don't want to kick him when he's down, uh, but it's probably worth looking at, you know, as a postmortem at some point with Anton, just about, you know, this is a game. We play it for the excitement. I don't think he regrets anything. Um, and like, he may be looking at one of the starkest rebuilds now, like in the league. And it's, uh, yeah, I mean, star shaking his head. Uh, I like, I, I, th I think it's going to be tough. He traded most of what he's had. And so it's going to be, it's going to be a, a cold barren winter for, for, for Anton for a, a year or two, at least, unless he drafts particularly well, but let's focus on the teams that are really in it. Um, you know, Mark overtook Jorby. Did you guys see that? So my understanding is that they're basically playing for the division crown here. Um, and it's worth noting that as of uh, what day of the week are we on here? Wednesday? It's Wednesday. So as of, you know, Wednesday, 920 Eastern Standard Time, um, it does look like Jorvi's doing what he needs to do in order to take the division. Uh, He's now, not, he needs to win 9-3 to take the division. He needs 9-3? He needs 9-3 to take the division. All right. Well, he's got he's got a home run lead. He's got an OVP lead, but most everything looks pretty darn close. Uh, the the one category that I think is probably a, a slightly more substantial lead is ERA, but even that is is pretty small at this juncture. So, really, anyone's game there. Jorvi really could have stood to have bought a couple more players to to solidify this. And and um, I guess the question I wanted to ask the two of you just about like the overall direction. Mark played this kind of conservative to protect his future and he still might get in. Like, is Mark a genius or is he lucky? Like, what are, what are we thinking? <laughs> I'm gonna let Star handle that one first. I mean, Mark, Mark is a genius. Now we can talk about fantasy uh, baseball just to get that out of the way. Go ahead. You know, I mean, I think Mark played this very well. Um, I don't know if this was his view of things, but I think he, I, I think we knew going into the season, this was probably the weakest division in the league. Uh, there, there was not a team in this division that looked likely to dominate. Uh, Anton uh, and, and you, Chris, were basically selling from the get-go and Jorvi's team looked good, but maybe not dominant. And so Mark just kind of, you know, I mean, he he took he he built this incredible pitching staff and just kind of was like clearly just going to see how it would go. And I think honestly, if he had gotten 
offers that he liked probably would have sold at the trade deadline, but was not impressed. I think that you know the, the market was not as such where there was going to be a big demand for those players at that point. And so he kind of wrote it out and he made like one buy of Trevor Story, who immediately <laughs> went out for the season. Um, and yet it's been less about Mark, who I would have told you this is probably the record I would have expected for Mark at the beginning of the season. He's barely above 500, but it's more that Jorvi's team just kind of imploded. And Jorvi did absolutely nothing to fix it. So I think this is actually more Jorvi's failure than it is Mark's success. But Mark is reaping the benefits. I don't disagree. Um, I think I think there was probably more that Mark could do with the farm system. He, he certainly promoted Kyle Tucker, which had to happen. Um, Julio Rodriguez is not up, correct? Correct. Right. Yeah. So I mean, he 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 should be up. And then that, that's there, the obvious one. There are there are a lot of guys that, and we've said this before. Uh, the concern is is somebody like Gavin Lux dying on the vine, or or um, uh, Christian Pache, right? Somebody who used to be maybe a top fifty prospect that can net you a pitcher like you know Jacob Degrom for five weeks, right? That's that's. That's how those deals are made. You get a top 50 prospect, uh, and in return, you get a, a starting pitcher for about six weeks. You get Lance Lynn. You get somebody else like that. Um, I think there are some missed opportunities there, but he hasn't needed them. So I'm, it's easy for me to say, oh, yeah, you should have traded Christian Pache for somebody who could help you. But like, who is that somebody? And do you actually need the help? Because I think he drafted just absolutely fabulously. Uh, he made some really good draft picks. He made some some good free agent pickups, not a lot, but some. And the pitching staff is phenomenal. I remember playing them a couple weeks ago. I was like, all right, you know, Garrett Cole, got to worry about him. I was like, oh, shit, you know, Aaron Nola, he's, he's got Aaron Nola too. And then Logan Webb pitched against my boys. And it's like, well, for fuck's sake. Um, and then DeGrom came back. And so I think in any matchup, uh, no matter how his offense does, he's going to inherently just have that lead in the pitching. So he, he's dangerous. He could totally win it all. Um, probably could have done a little bit more, but that's just kind of tinkering at the margins. Yeah, he, he's gone with a – on offense, he's gone with a real, like, OBP, stolen base, heavy strategy, um, which, you know, if he does dominate pitching, I guess – can can net him some wins if because he's he's winning stolen bases most weeks and you know he can compete in obp and runs and you know he's basically punting the other three categories but uh with good pitching and and three categories in play like you know you you can win a matchup you can win i mean i guess he needs to win three matchups uh i would i wouldn't say it's likely but it's not impossible that that it happens so I'm going to take uh, a quick, you know, glance here at, at Jorby's lineup. And, and I think I, I'm just going to say there might have been a little bit of paralysis of like, what do you even do? I, I, I'm not going to speak for Jorby. I wish we had him on right now to ask him about this. But I'm looking at this roster and there's so many underperformers and so many guys. It, like, you kind of have to just like hope that they had turned it around and they didn't. 
but also there's there's another element here just of like what do you even fix like i guess you can say anything <laughs> right but but then the flip side is like where where do you target like um i think jorvi's team probably had the greatest underperformance based on projections of any team in the league it has to be right i mean acuña is sitting at 10 home runs that's that's light um he had tyler o'neill did, did i did i not warn people about Acuna coming off an ACL injury and how we maybe might want to be conservative about Ronald Acuna. You can have that victory lap because I actually, you're, you really were saying that to me, if memory serves, but I am the one who said, everybody be wary of Tyler O'Neill because like, who I, like. So, and, yeah, I like and, Tyler O'Neill. I was, I, I was very wrong. Yeah, they, that just, that just screamed like blip to me. And I still don't believe in the guy at all. Um, Although I don't know if he's this bad. So it's like, you know, you get these extremes from some of these players. But I feel for Jorby because it's another year off the timeline, right? And a lot of the guys that are in this core are going to start to age out. And he he next year, I think, is going to be really where I was at the beginning of this year, where he can definitely go for it. And he's got a lot of young talent that's coming up. But at the same time, the roster is going to be a little more expensive and a little bit worse. So it's going to be tough to figure out exactly what to do for him. And you didn't even mention the guy who who was his biggest disappointment of the season, and that's Lucas Giolito, who's just been an absolute disaster. And a guy that I think, you know, you, you probably counted on to be an ace, if not, I think he was his SP2 coming into the year. And it's just been a nightmare and cannot get it, cannot straighten it out. I mean, it's been, it's been a five ERA for as long as I can remember. And he keeps giving you reason to believe, you know, the, the K's look good and it just, he just keeps getting pummeled it day in, day out. So I think Jorby feels compelled to continue to use him and he keeps betraying him. Yeah. And that, that, that has been brutal because that pitching staff looked great. And if you had told me that Tristan McKenzie was going to have the season that he's having, which is, he's been absolutely stellar, particularly lately. And Max Scherzer, pitched like Scherzer, I would have said this team would have been awesome. But Giolito has been a mess, and he just didn't have the depth, really, to to navigate that. It was a top-heavy team. Well, especially I guess, he went, I guess he went out and got Berrios, who also has been a mess. Right, yeah. Well, and, and then the other, the other major piece is that while Giolito was struggling so much is when Scherzer was out. So right. to your point, like, it just it really nullified what he had. and um. Anyway, I, I do feel for Jorvi. All that noise you're hearing is a sleepover happening above me, and uh, so that's exciting. Um, sorry about that. Um, I do want to go ahead. Go ahead. Like, go ahead. I say, despite all that, Jorvi could still make the playoffs. Like you know, this is this is this is far from over. A nine-three victory is not out of the question here, um, and so it's it's still. This is probably you know, this is probably the biggest. The biggest thing still in play at this point is, is, is it going to be Jorvi or is it going to be Mark? Right. Um, is it worth a quick glance uh, at um, the other side of Federal? I, I don't even really know that we need to. It looks like Brophy's going to win the division. It looks like the other two are going to be um, our wildcard teams and said so they'll have a, a tougher path to get there, but still stellar teams. Yeah, I mean, there was basically... Barring a major Tim win, which at this point looks 
pretty unlikely given it's 11-1 and, and what that matchup looks like right now. That thing seems pretty done. Tim, the Tim was already had already clinched a wild card. Um, Paul was barely had to do anything to clinch a wild card. So there, those two were pretty much in, no matter what. Uh, I feel a little, I feel a little bit for Tim. You know, he, he he, as I mentioned in the email, he was in first. He had the best record in federal from week seven through week eighteen, <laughs> and to lose it in week nineteen um, to Brophy is is a rough way to go out. I want to plug Tim's team a little bit too. I know we've we've tread through this, um, but to to compete like this in his first year, I think is really impressive, and that's easy for me to say as a friend. But um, yeah, just been it, it's been fun to watch him put that team together to make all those moves to see all those moves pan out, and uh, there's cl- certainly no shame in. Um, just making a wild card as opposed to getting the double buy in this fashion. Uh, and I, I wouldn't count them out for the playoffs by, by any reason, but I, I just speak from experience having been relatively new to the league in the first two years, I had no idea what I was doing. And so I, I finished last my first year, I finished last my second year. And only in the third year during that COVID season, did I realized kind of how, how the game was played and you know tim clearly like picked it up in five weeks of the off season and then just ran with it so really impressive and uh, we've said it before but i think he's going to be an awesome contributor to the league so i'm just uh, uh just another plug for for uh for neo yeah i, I, I absolutely agree I, I i love how active he has been and um i, I think he kind of wishes he he probably wishes he had that Aaron Judge trade back, though. That 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 was that that did not pan out. I wouldn't, I, you know, I, I wouldn't say that. I I wouldn't say it. I, I still think <laughs> that um, at least two of those three players could could match the production of Aaron Judge. Now, yeah, I'm sure he didn't expect Aaron Judge to have a historic season like this, but uh, I I still don't think it's quite as lopsided as it may seem. Yeah, I feel the same way. I mean, like we're talking about, you know, a team in my division potentially winning it with a sub 500 record or pretty close to it. Right. And I build on the season early and I, I wish I could have a do over on the season as well for similar reasons. So I, I can understand it. I think, look, I, there's, with the, with I, the last I, just, I bet I could mathematically prove that if he had not heard Aaron Judge, he would have gotten a double buy. <laughs> I'm, I'm certain you can mathematically prove it. Um, but yeah, I think I, I look at look at what Matt, Max Muncy has done in the last like five weeks. Yeah, he's been much better. And yeah. he finally he was a disaster for the first two months on his roster, but he's been better. Anyway, sorry to interrupt, Chris. No, 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 it's fine, it's fine. I, I think we we covered what we really needed to for the playoff look. I did just want to check in briefly on the McQueenie stuff, and then Star, I'm going to lean on your history here. Uh, have we had major McQueenie penalties in the past? I think a couple teams have taken the full 20. I remember Ian taking it once, correct? It's happened. Uh, I think Ray had a big one last year, I think, you know, just recently. I think Ray took a, 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 a – I don't know if it's a full 20, but it was certainly close to it. So, look, I, I don't think our listeners are going to be that excited to be hearing more than, you know, five to ten minutes on this. But the McQueenies this year look substantial to me. Um, and I say that because like we really had a polarized league and I think that some of the teams just absolutely took it on the chin. Um, I sent an email out uh, and I'm going to pull it up now, but like starting with Sean, 
Sean is not off to a good start this week. Um, and he's sitting at 31 wins. I, you know, I, people look at this from a percentage standpoint. I, I don't think that that's the way to do it. Actually. It, to me, it's, it's a pure win count, right? Um, you know that you need to get to 32 to start having each win knock off 1.25 million of, of penalty. That's the way to do it in, in my eyes. So, um, Sean's sitting at 30. We, we changed the formula, which makes that a much more apparent too. I, I think I'm, I was still looking at it kind of under the old, through the old lens, but the way that you're looking at it now is definitely the way to go. Yeah. Uh, and, and as a team that was fighting them this year, like I'm going to say, for me, that was 100% the way that I looked at it, um, you know, as I approached the second half. So I was trying not to get too up, too down with the percentage because I knew it was very easy, as I did, to take a couple 10 to 2s or 11 to 1s or whatever. Um, but uh, so Sean is sitting at 31 wins right now, and he's, he's looking like he's having a tough week already. Um, so, you know, Sean's probably going to take... 20 or 18.75, maybe 17.50 of a penalty, which is a pretty steep penalty in this league. Uh, he did a fantastic job on getting good resources, but um, it's it's not looking good for him. The other teams to check in on, um, you know, Ray, I think, did a pretty stellar job fighting with given the roster that he had. He needed nine more wins to clear himself of all penalties, as did Nate. So those two teams are probably looking at somewhere in the neighborhood of a $5 million penalty when all said and done. Um, I'm just very quickly having a glance at how they're doing so far this week. Yeah, Nate's having a, a decent week holding his own. I, my team is also not having a great week. So I think I think it's very possible Nate takes, you know, four or five, six categories for me in this week. Yeah. I like that we're calling it a full 20. You definitely don't want to take a full 20 on the chin. <laughs> So, uh, interestingly enough, it looks like Josh is absolutely destroying Ray. But when you dig in and look at that match, it's everyone the, is terrible. It's one of the saddest matchups you'll ever see. They're currently tied at zero zero on home runs. Uh, I, I love OB, it. It's OPS is five fifteen to four eighty two. Yeah, so <laughs> that's for, the best stat of all of all. Right yeah. Now. Uh, you know, a robust half stolen base beating the zero, uh, five to four on runs. Um, so, you know, this absolutely is, it's possible for Ray to turn this around and, and fight the penalties uh, better than it looks like he is at this juncture. Um, but again, just going back to the overall direction, like credit to Josh, he's sitting at 43 wins even before this week. I, I think he's going to get clear of it, like even an average week and he's going to get clear of it. Um, and I, of course, am fighting against a very motivated Anton who's looking to 12-0 me, but I don't think I'm going to let it happen. Um, and so I'm hopeful that I'll be clear of all penalties, but, uh, you know, I, it's possible I'll take a two and a half or $1.25 million penalty if, if things go badly for me. So, yeah, it's looking like we're probably going to get three. It's, it's probably only going to end up being three teams with penalties. Um, it probably is just going to be Nate and Ray and Sean, but Sean may take it, may take the full 20 as, as, as we're saying, or close to it. I mean, that is such a debilitating hit, I feel. 20 million is, is <laughs> it is. Full 20 it's, is tough. Yeah, you do not want to take a full 20. That, I mean, that's that's a tenth of your budget, and it's it's just it's yeah. You don't want to take a twenty. I'm sorry, John. We're not really laughing at you. 
Um, but <laughs> Sean, it, Sean does now have an incredible farm system and like 9,000 draft picks. So he's like the new Mark. Yeah. But, but, you know, to be fair to Sean, he's also, he, he has passed me for the 101. And I think if he was here, he'd be, he'd want us to be talking about how it seems very likely that Gunner's going to be on his team next year. So, you know, yeah. The, yeah so that he did, he did solidify, I think what he cares about most, but um, Sean, to his credit, is not somebody who who sells preseason quickly. Like this is the only year I've ever seen him do it. I'll be very curious, given the penalty, to see if he really believes that he can turn the the roster around next year, or whether he decides to take one more year to rebuild before pushing it back in. Especially given how good his division is. So, um, thoughts on the McQueenie teams, boys, or did I do enough? I, mean, I think I think we mainly covered it. I, I you know, like I said, I think it's likely we end up with probably three, maybe four teams. If if it's a fourth team, they're looking at probably a very minimal, you know, one million dollar fine or something um, for it. But on Sean's team, and this is actually interesting. You know, Chris, you and I had talked a lot about oh, are the Orioles going to call up Gunnar Henderson? Uh, could he lose his rookie eligibility before the end of the season? I read something today. Uh, which I had forgotten about in the new CBA agreement, where there are actually now incentives. Uh, if you there are new incentives, draft pick incentives for teams. If you call up a player at the beginning of ne- if you have a player on your roster on opening day next year who is rookie eligible and they win rookie of the year, you can get a draft pick bonus for that. So there's incentive actually now to not blow these guys' rookie eligibilities if you think they have a shot at rookie of the year next year. We have now new weird incentives not to promote players. Uh, and Gunnar Henderson is probably being held down to avoid exhausting his rookie eligibility for next year now. Yeah, I've gotten real deep in Orioles Twitter because they've just been, frankly, a lot more fun to follow than the Nats. And I think I read something recently where he needs, like, if they hold him down six more days, he won't get that eligibility uh, or right. something to that effect. Uh, so it, it would not surprise me if we, uh, we saw him soon, but then he would start on the opening day roster next year. Uh, everything I've read seems to suggest he's just an absolute star. Um, so credit to, to Sean or whoever has, who has the opportunity to draft him. But, you know, also a kind of a fun pickup. Was it Dubner who got him? Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think I'm sure everyone on this pod had been kind of licking their chops to think, like, when is the right time to pick up Gunnar Henderson? I know I had that thought process. I know Dubner clearly did. I'm sure you did, Star. Uh, I, I, I was if I had had the roster spot, like I, I would, it would have happened. I just like didn't feel like I had a roster spot at that point. Yeah, and that and that's a fair trade off because like it sucks to just take a zero from a roster spot because especially this time of year, you need production from every single roster spot you have at least when you're fighting for something. Um, so he he may be a difference maker for Dubner's team, but yeah, I, th- I think he probably should be one one coming in next year. I think you guys are missing the main story here, which is that Jorge Mateo is so good that they don't need Gunnar <laughs> Henderson. Man, the Orioles are so <laughs> fun to watch. They are I almost fun. exclusively watch the Orioles these days. I, I've watched a lot of Orioles because the Nats are so atrocious and the Orioles are like, what's on? And uh, and they, they, I totally agree. I was talking to Chris today. 
Chris was poo Chris was poo pooing their pitching development. I was like, have you watched this fucking team? They got a bunch of like guys pitching it. like mid rotation starters who yeah. you've never heard of at the beginning of this season. Like, who yeah. are these guys? They've all come out of fucking nowhere. The bullpen is incredible. The bullpen is terrific. There was not a single Orioles reliever drafted in LDB this year. They are the fourth best bullpen by ERA in the league right now. And nobody was drafted. Nobody knew who any of these fucking people were. When did you pick up Felix Bautista? Because that guy's fucking insane. Pretty early, just because Eno Saris was all over him. Just being like, oh my god. This, this is nuts. And he has been absurd. He has been an absolute revelation. One of the best relievers in baseball. This year. He's fun to watch. And he's coming out. His walkout song um, is Omar's Whistle from The Wire. Yes. Yes, For those who haven't that. seen him come out to close games, it's pretty fucking cool. So they'll like dim the lights at Camden Yards. And then they'll do the Farmer in the Dell Omar Whistle. And there comes Felix Bautista, and it's it's great. He had a five out save I saw, today. I saw an interview with him where he said he'd never seen The Wire, but he yeah. loved it. <laughs> he, he loved he loved it anyway. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how this all happened. I don't know who suggested this to him. It wasn't it was Baltimore idea. man. It's I think it's David it's, Simon whispering in somebody's ear. And it probably came a little bit from you know when when the actor who played Omar died recently. The Ravens uh, had a big moment where they they came out to the whistle, and I think they've been doing it since. So it's it's a little bit of a Baltimore rallying cry at this point in sports, and it's it's cool. So I I, I love that that someone else is doing it. I think it's phenomenal. Um, hey, quick. Quick plug, uh, one of my closest friends wrote an oral history of The Wire. It's out on paperback, so take a, take a look. It's called All the Pieces Matter by Jonathan Abrams. You guys will love it. I, I'm sure I will, yeah. Um, that's one of my favorite shows. It's just, it's so well done. I tried to go back and watch it recently, uh, about two years ago, and, and actually struggled just because um, it was so powerful. I, it, it, it's it's a weird thing to have that experience, but just to know what you're going through again <laughs> and just where you know what's coming and it's like, okay, am I ready for this? Um, yeah, I don't have a whole lot of desire to rewatch it. I, it's like I, I watched it once and that was great and I don't really want to watch it again. Yeah. All right. Should we talk a little bit about um, what's coming up for, for the league and, and for this podcast and just, I mean, obviously we, we've, we've, previewed the week a bit um you know we we've had so much trouble getting this podcast uh, going lately but i think we're really going to commit to doing everything that we can um, we're hoping we're aspiring i think that was your word becker to try to put something out every week the rest of the way like we did last year it was really fun to preview the matchups i think it's it's good to do those deep dives um so anybody who wants to join us uh you know to talk about your team as as we get there like we can we can do that um and we probably uh, know what we probably know what next week's matchups are. It looks like the wild card matchups are largely said that it's going to be please, Paul and Tim and Federal. Please, and, please and don't, please don't jinx it. Please, Hughes, don't. Hughes and Becker and the other one. Well, I, I think hoping you wouldn't say that. You're looking at the wrong side of the bracket. I mean, the very exciting matchup of Chris versus Sean in the, you know, elimination matchup for, for <laughs> the one the one seventeen. Right. I mean. Uh, Sean and I have been looking forward to this for weeks. <laughs> we we got to make sure Sean's back next week to, to really delve delve into that one. 
um yeah we do we absolutely do especially because like he and i have been having a running text for the better part of two months about the 101 and who's going to get it so uh he, he wins that one good job sean uh but as i said i think it was more important to avoid the money penalty and and i think he he may not agree with me on that so um all right uh what else do you guys want to talk about albert pool is scorching uh last month and a half like I, mean, I, I, I am flabbergasted. I, I am very confused. I, I didn't realize it was happening. Uh, I, I like was totally off my radar until like three days ago that he was doing this, and I'm, I'm very confused. But you know, it's great. It's great to see. Nice to see Pujols doing something again. Kudos to him and and the Cardinals for whatever they whatever the tweak they made with him that's allowing him to do this. Becker, can I ask you a specific like? Because this is you covering baseball previously. Like, please. I yes. I want I want your honest take. What are the chances that guys are grooving him pitches right now? No, I I, I don't think that's happening. So Madison Bumgarner, in a in a game where he gave up two. Madison Bum, you think Madison Bumgarner is grooving pitches for what purpose? That's. So that's no, the question. I'm not you, saying I think that he is, but I'm saying like that's a veteran, like game respecting game. Like you, you don't think he's like I'm gonna throw my fastball, see if he can hit it. You don't think that's that's that Bumgarner is the last person I think in the right. world. Right. No. So so Madison Bumgarner may have thrown Albert Pujols a fastball because he thought that Pujols couldn't hit it, but Pujols mashes lefties clearly still. So no, I I think like in a showcase in an All Star game. Yeah, Cal Ripken got grooved a fastball in 2001. Uh, at the end of the regular season, when it when there's when there are still games at stake, I don't think that happens. I think like Barry Bonds probably got grooved one by the Nationals pitcher uh, that Mo Pu gave up his like 740th or whatever it was. Um, but no, I I don't think I don't think guys are are going easy on Albert. I just think they put him in the position to succeed. He's just hitting the shit out of the ball right now. My biggest takeaway, having watched Pools his entire career, is what a monster Hank Aaron was, right? Because I actually think if you go back and you look at what Pools did year by year, he had an Aaron-esque career. He started at 21 years old. He was in the league a very long time. There was 21 years old. Okay, well, but then if if you're going to do that, then he's 46 now, not 42, right? So, <laughs> well, that wouldn't surprise me at all. <laughs> okay, but but then but then what he's doing right now, he's doing at age 46, which is like pretty impressive in a different way. So like, um, but yeah, if if we are to believe what we are to believe, he came up when he was 21, and this career is 22 years long. It's incredibly impressive that there hasn't been a huge, you know, gap year where he just put up a zero. Um, there, you know, there definitely was dwindling performance. But here's the thing: Hank Aaron is still almost 75 home runs in front of Pujols. Like, that's absurd. That's yeah. absurd. I'm that's looking at Aaron's numbers right now. I mean. Aaron basically didn't slow down until he was 38 years old. Like he just kept on hitting for year after year after year. The same, basically the same, same stats every year until he turned 38, which is incredible. And Chris, I think your your Cardinals bias might be showing a little bit because um, Albert, Albert Pujols was dreadful for what the last 
six years and only in like who the the angels were going to dfa him um they did dfa him they did yeah he i i remember a, a podcast last year when when star said that that guy should not be playing at all um uh, i i really do think like like he he can hit lefties they are batting him against lefties exclusively he's on a heater does he does he keep this up next year? I don't think so. Does he get drafted in LDB next year? I don't think so. Well, like he's, he's Matt Carpenter right now. Next year. Yeah. No, no, no. Look, I, I, I know that he sucked for, for the better part of five seasons here. I'm talking purely from a home run number standpoint, right? Like the what it's making me do, I, I just want to state it so clearly. I think I think this came across, but just in case. The fact that Hank Aaron is so far in front on his career for what Albert Pujols did just states to me how amazing Aaron must have been. Right, because I I think of Pools as having one of the longest uh, and yeah, point. most consistent careers, even even with that five year stint. Right, you want to say he was only good for seventeen years? Go ahead, I, that doesn't bother me at all. Right, like it's the point is is what Aaron did. Um, so anyway, agreed. No, 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 no dispute there. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, <laughs> I, I I have a hard time comparing him. I, honestly, I'm surprised Pujols is as close as he is because it's not just five years; it's like eight years, like of Pujols not being anywhere close to the player he was at his peak. And that and that is more like telling for how good Aaron was that Aaron didn't slow down. Like you know, Pujols turned. It, 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 I don't want to get into the whole age thing. We're saying Pujols is the age he is. Pujols turned 33 years old. And basically became a below average player for the rest of his career from 33 on. Which Aaron is what you would expect. Five, yeah. Aaron played another five, six years of like elite baseball after he turned 33. So the other thing that as a Cardinals fan I'm rooting really hard for here is even if he doesn't get to 700, I want him to pass A-Rod. I just I, like <laughs> It's, and, and I don't really have a good reason why. I, I really don't There's, you don't need a good reason why, man. Yeah. It's A-Rod. I, I, he should, right? He only needs yeah. four more. He yeah. only needs four more. So yeah. he should get there. Um, all right. Do we have anything else we want to cover? Or do we want to save it for future weeks uh, as we do the playoff stuff? Let's save it for the playoffs. This has been a good one. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in, uh, and we look forward to having you, Paul. Once again, sincere apologies. I do think having you for the Wild Card Weekend makes so much sense because you're going to be in it. You can walk us through all your strategies. You know, give away the secret sauce. So hopefully, we'll have Paul. Um, and Paul, I'm going to text you literally right now. Uh, and anything else, or should we sign off? Let's sign off. All right. Good, good night. Go. Bye, everyone. Goodbye, everyone. Dream Baseball.